There are days when we wake up with the most random ideas. Then we end up wondering if these thoughts also pop into other people's minds. Not everything makes sense, and I feel like some of my thoughts shouldn't even be said aloud. I'm a clinical psychologist and part-time psychology professor, and in this podcast, I'd talk about these random ideas and in between maybe discuss interventions to some of life's common questions. Because who knows, maybe you'd find connections between your mind, body, and behaviors. This is Psychopage, listening to that voice at the back of my head. Welcome back to that voice at the back of my head. This time around, I'm devoting this episode to maintaining boundaries because it's 2021 and nothing spells boundaries better than this pandemic. I remember waking up on the first day when everyone was asked or rather required to stay indoors and in the beginning, it wasn't that difficult for me because I was used to staying indoors a lot. But that was probably because at the same time I was finishing my dissertation for my PhD and I was used to just staying in front of the computer for hours until I needed to eat, go to the bathroom, or do other important things that somehow distracted me from my work. And these distractions or having things suddenly being added on top of your to-do list are, I find, some of the more problematic things that clients and patients often talk to me about. The other week, me and my friends were talking about how they were doing at work and we touched upon the subject of boundaries at work. And one of the main things we had in common is the fact that in the effort to do our jobs well, we often find ourselves doing other people's work or accepting extra work because it somehow affects our work directly or indirectly. But the consequences of doing that is having less time for ourselves, going out, taking a break, and most of all, sleeping. In a way, I think that coming from the quarantine we were in in the first weeks of knowing what the COVID-19 was probably contributing to this, if not magnified by it, because at that time, we were probably used to the fact that there wasn't any external signal like clocking out, punching out, or having someone tell us it's the end of the workday and you have to go home. So when it strikes five or whatever time you get out of work, we actually don't stop because we say, okay, um, just five minutes more, or I wanna get this done before tomorrow. And somehow it shades into our rest hours and sometimes takes over it. But who could blame us at that time? There was a lot of time for us to sleep, binge watch your favorite series on TV or Netflix, and lay around the house whenever you wanted to. And I remember volunteering to provide telepsychological services because it has gotten to a point where I felt like I've watched everything I could, I've read almost all the books I needed, and even worked out for more than an hour already. So talking to clients was a breath of fresh air in a way, even if it weren't at 9 p.m. or even a few minutes before laying down in bed. So for a time, it seemed like a good thing. You're helping people, you're somewhat contributing to their mental health, you have a schedule all of a sudden that you have to keep. But because of the simplicity that has to be provided for people who might not have access to Wi-Fi or the internet, some calls I had received back then were through my personal number, 
and this was brought about by the fact that I did not have an extra number or phone to use for possible clients or patients outside the center that I'm working with. Again, that thought of helping people did sort of override some of the apprehensions I had and indeed was all fine until some days where you'd have those calls that seemed to come one after the other and it was like giving recommendations to one person then listening to another and somewhat trying to decipher if it was a client you were talking to or that delivery service you contacted to bring your lunch to you. And it was one of those points where I said to myself, wait, there has to be some way to do this without getting confused or having calls when I was in the middle of my bath or when I'm trying to fall asleep. I mentioned this because it's a situation that seems all too common for someone who has had to work or study during the COVID-19 pandemic, where you want to stop working or reading, but it seems like somehow it keeps on piling on and later eats at you slowly until all that free time you once had is now reduced to a moment of trying to shut your eyes from all the eye strain and the stress all your work has been giving you lately. But in looking back at my example, there were a lot of things that you might attribute to such situations. The first is saying yes to everything. As a person who values being productive, being able to accomplish things, and somehow still wanting more, I've earlier said yes to a lot of responsibilities that in the beginning I thought was really doable. And this might be the case for a lot of people now misjudging the amount of time and effort you might need to spend on a particular task and this ends up eating up a lot of the time and energy and sometimes without it seemingly ending and this leaves you tired unsuccessful and somehow feeling unworthy of any form of test or i mean rest or reward and i find this one of the most dangerous things that could sap you of motivation or your willpower to power through it so in this case, it really goes back to asking yourself, am I able to do it? Is it practical to do with this time that I have? And will it take up a lot of time? Once you're able to answer these questions, it might help you determine whether you would say yes to a similar responsibility the next time it comes along. Another point that me and my friends came upon while talking is the power to say no. Sometimes being in the position where you feel like you can do anything and everything is somewhat a curse because unlike Superman, we don't need to be near kryptonite to know that our weakness is often tied to our own mortality and our basic need for food, rest, recreation, and sleep, which often gets sacrificed because somehow we couldn't say no to extra work because we feel that because we feel the need to keep pushing for the fact that we said yes in the first place. But as far as keeping our promises and holding up our end of the bargain for anything goes, it's sometimes a wiser choice to say no than to say yes and somehow regret it later on when you're deep within that somewhat bottomless pit of having too much on your plate. But this is not in any way discouraging from anything that could challenge you if that's what you need especially at the moment. Saying no in such situations also entails a lot of thought. Let's say you're caught in a difficult choice at work. Not as difficult as how Superman may have decided to kill someone despite his vow to never use his powers to kill another person if there was a better choice. 
this one is a little bit more familiar so you're about to end the day or school day then your coworker or classmate comes to you saying can you do this job or homework for me and follows it up with I'll cover for you when you have a lot of work to do the next time now don't get me wrong because there's nothing bad about helping someone out because if I did think that I'd be in another dimension right now or another job but at times these sorts of situations tend to be the most difficult to get out of because you either become the cold heartless villain for not helping and on the other hand the enabler that allows a lot of loafing by helping out time and time again back in college i was known a bit for being the person who actually does the job on my own even if the tasks were a group oriented one because i had this voice at the back of my head that kept saying you can't rest until you've done at least a significant amount of work and sometimes that does pay off but other times it whittles you down into a zombie craving for coffee or sweets and a lot of times i am still this person who some people just see uh, just bulldozes a lot of walls in front of me just to get to the end and it's somewhat like a likable trait in terms of getting the work done but what I learned from this is it's not really helpful to me as time goes by because I'm actually the one losing sleep and time and everything else to do with whatever I want to do. And again, as much as I imagine myself developing superpowers at the end of the day, I'm still left craving for rest and for Mondays to suddenly turn into Saturdays. The point is that we often forget to say no when we should. And for a lot of people that I talk to, it's often biting off more than you can chew that does you in. Or it's that metaphor of giving a hand and then they take your whole existence in the process. And I find that when we aren't ready or we really haven't thought things out before agreeing to do something, our own person is at stake and whatever quality we want to give for everything that we want done is actually sacrificed. And as someone who grew up quite obedient, no, um, very accepting of requests and demands, especially in school, the thought of saying no is such a difficult thing. But as I grew older, I discovered that there is such a way of saying no that could end up nicely for you and the person asking you to do something for them. And it's simply the no but, or saying, I can't do this, but maybe I might be able to do this other thing. For example, that coworker or classmate that asks you to do something, you might actually be able to say, no, I don't think I can help you right now, but maybe tomorrow. And that sends a message that both sets boundaries about not working beyond the prescribed number of hours, as well as that boundary about not allowing people to take advantage or to get used to your help all the time. And there's something that I learned from the people whom I've known or worked with before, and it's that your cover might actually be the same as you, an adult who should supposedly know about their job, especially if it's not their first time to do a task. And they will be able to get it eventually, even without your help. But definitely, if it were someone new at your workplace, don't be a total villain and just say no right off the bat because no one wants to work with Emily Blunt and The Devil Wears Prada on their first day. I remember seeing this meme on Facebook that says, 
unless you literally are the therapist, you're not their therapist. And even if you are their therapist, you're still not everyone's therapist. And I remember snorting really loud in public because this is literally true. Sometimes being in a helping profession makes you more inclined to try and help everyone. But at times it is to your expense. And I remember in one of my psychotherapy classes, it is a basic truth that you cannot solve every single problem that comes to you in the same way that you're not obliged to comment to every single post you see on Facebook, not unless you know you really want to or if it's your day job to do so, like when you're selling things online. And it's that same saying where you need to be able to determine where you as the therapist ends and where the client begins. Now, going back to the same example, where does my role as a helpful workmate or schoolmate end and my role as someone who just clocked out and is ready to relax begins? I couldn't speak for everyone during this COVID-19 pandemic, but the experience for me has seemed to be one hurdle over the next where I find myself feeling and sometimes looking like a zombie with huge eye bags or eye luggage for that matter after I end one session and then trying to gather myself and trying to look decent in the next meeting for the next call. And it's within these moments that I say to myself, what did I do to deserve this? And I remember, oops, it's actually me. I could have actually scheduled things differently or moved or something around. And there goes a next point to this whole episode. What about this situation is within my control? And sometimes we often go to that place where we say, what could I do in a sort of hopeless and desperate move? And it's good to ask ourselves, what could I have done differently? And by doing so, it somehow could open the possibility of seeing things in a different perspective. And somehow it leads us to thinking or saying, all right, if this happens to me again, I'm going to try that other option and maybe it would give a different outcome this time around. That being said, sometimes we don't really have to wait for the next time to arrive, but actually try to imagine it in our heads, like visualizing what would I be wearing? What would I be doing? What would I be saying? Then somehow trying to practice how we would say it and later imagine what the response would be when we are saying no or responding to a request. It's funny because some people sometimes catch me in the act of talking to myself sometimes and I think they just got used to another person in the room suddenly talking to themselves out of the blue. But I find that it does work sometimes to practice or rehearse. And because this person talking right now did live in the world of theater for a few years, so I really do believe that practice or actually correct practice makes perfect or produces a good outcome. This podcast is not a substitute for any form of mental health intervention or counseling. Though some of it may be therapeutic for you, there are also some things that are quite opinionated and wouldn't sit well with you and that's okay because these points may be points of new debate or new conversation. But for those listening and do think that at some point you need counseling or just someone to talk to you about your experience, 
Know that there are mental health professionals willing and available to listen to you, and some of them are on different social media sites. That being said, please do be careful and find reputable and trained professionals because getting the right kind of help is also important. Now, in the same way, practicing is just half of the job and the other half is actually doing it. Because again, analysis is very much like paralysis. And this is one of the greatest weaknesses that I have sometimes, to always think and sometimes not do something. Because again, I thought I was going to develop psychic powers at some point. But really, I'm a very good ruminator at times, especially when people who tend to think about, you know, things over and over again happen to them. Uh, and it's always a process to take the first step. And in the context of this episode, it's definitely a process to establish and later maintain boundaries. Independently, I also find maintaining a mantra for self-control a good way to go, like saying, you will go home on time from work today, or you will work out after work today. Because this puts the responsibility on yourself to show up to that thing you keep promising yourself you would do. However, if setting responsibilities on your own tends to not work, I find having an external signal to remind me of things quite effective, especially if I tend to forget about my daily goals at that time. This could be in the form of a person like a friend who could say, you lazy person, start walking to the gym. And because some of my friends are that harsh and I like it some way, or it could be an alarm that would go off on your phone. Similar to what keeps you awake in the morning, I sometimes set the alarm to repeat every five minutes, especially during days when I expect to be too lazy or tend to forget about things that I plan to do. I had a client before who pasted a readable note on their ceiling that read, do push-ups, so that when they wake up, they see it and get on the floor and do at least 10 push-ups before starting the day. So there was no excuse to saying, I forgot to exercise today. And what I find good about signals like these is that they set boundaries of time. Sort of lines across each hour or minute that make some structure. Especially if you're in that position where you feel like you've got so much time and sometimes feel like it goes by without you accomplishing anything other than scrawling or skimming on your phone while lying in bed. And some people find posting notes on some place that's really visible to them, like the wall on their right side or on the door as they go out, to remind them of things that they really have to do. But speaking of the use of our mobile phones, one of the difficulties that I sometimes have is to stop scrolling or tapping or watching videos on Facebook and my other social media accounts. And what research says about this is that connections in our brain actually find the act of looking for media that we find is an act that's very much rewarding. So just like popping a piece of that addictive favorite snack of yours, staying on social media is almost at the same level or quite addictive in a sense. And for me, it sometimes put me in that Bermuda Triangle kind of zone or that place where you somehow get trapped for ages and you're wondering where time went. And 
at times it feels weird because as I read things like frustrating news or online content that I didn't find appealing, I felt the anger rise inside me and then I find myself wanting to repost with angry notes and sometimes curse words. But before posting, I have trained myself at least through the years that I've had my accounts to first ask myself, what makes me feel angry about this? Then I remind myself, hmm, maybe this doesn't really concern me and I shouldn't be this affected by it. And it's funny because in a lot of sessions, clients usually tell me about people, events, and even similar posts that tend to anger them. And at times they had reasons why, and at times there were no reasons at all, and mainly just strong emotions. But what I remember from one of my grad school classes in dynamic psychology is that when you do invest energy in something that makes you mad or feel strongly against, you actually lend it control or power. You give it that energy enough to have power over you. And when that happens, your motivation to do anything else gets lost or decreased. So what me and my clients usually work on with these sorts of problems is separating oneself from the things that we feel are very much about us, but are actually just 10% about us. And it's sort of like that line in the song that goes, you probably think this song is about you, but in the end, it's really not. And so we can do this by asking ourselves, is this relevant to me? Followed by, if I pay attention, it will it make me feel better? If you said no to any of these, it's probably not worth your time and effort. And this is not always true because especially for advocacies, petitions, and drives that fight for something good about the society. But I'm talking more about content online like people arguing illogically about certain topics or trying to defend oneself when people taunt us in the comment section, especially if you're defending yourself against a troll or an account that doesn't even use a real name or identity. Just recently, people have been messaging me about seeing my picture on dating apps and in the beginning, I wanted to go on the warpath and report them to the authorities. And instead of just ranting about it, I wanted to somehow turn it into a positive thing at least or process it with myself in this episode. Now, the worst thing about this is that whoever they are, pulled featured pictures from my Facebook page and have been messaging people to send nude pictures and sometimes give them money for them to get to wherever place they plan to meet. And it was funny the first time because someone showed me a picture of the alleged person and the screenshot used in the photo was from a non-Apple brand. And if you knew me, that's definitely not me because I'm an iOS user. And there was also this other account that talked in English that spelled the conjunction for they are wrong. And being the grammar and spelling Nazi that I sometimes am, that's definitely not me. I was expecting people to be using, you know, my gym photos at some point, but it was funny because they chose photos of me on the beach in another country. And I was almost about to delete my accounts because of it. But then I asked myself, is this something that could happen to someone else? Um, definitely yes. Am I to blame for people grabbing those photos? Not totally, because 
it could literally have been any other photo or a random person so i'm keeping my accounts so from being angry i actually found humor in it and when random people ask me is this you i say no and even when people don't believe me because you know who needs validation from a random account that knows nothing of me and i have no plans of getting to know them literally and i sometimes wish that some of the clients that i've been seeing lately would have this kind of attitude like not to take seriously a single person who you know um, doesn't even have a facebook profile picture to say things to them that are not that good and still they remain intact there was also this other person whom I recently friended on Facebook because we had at least around um, 100 mutual friends, so I thought it was safe. But weirdly enough, they began saying, don't you want to tell me something? And me being my weak and snarky self said, not really because I don't really know you that well. Then they said some things like, do you know this person and don't believe them if they say something about me? And so I naturally said, I don't really take orders from someone who I literally met for just five seconds and it's not a client or any need of help from me. And then it got really weird with them saying, oh, I think you're my type and do you want to do things with me? So I was just mind blown and to take control of the situation, I re simply replied by saying, sorry, I'm not really interested in you or in dating at all. And there were other similar situations such as this and even ruder than the usual you know uh like saying they'd pay me for sex or whatever they planned but i think the best way is to keep calm in these situations say no and simply walk away or in the social media context leave the chat mute the person or even block them or report them especially when they begin to harass you Sometimes I go the extra mile and say, hey, I think you have to be careful about giving out your pictures to someone because whoever is using my face is catfishing you and that's definitely not me. But in my mind, I was like thinking, shame on you for even thinking that that's me and I hope whoever is catfishing you gets a sexually transmitted disease for which some people thank me and, you know, I just wish them good luck. I know it's really bad to wish harm on other people, but since I really don't know them, I just wish that they get blocked on whatever account they have. But somehow, you know, the experience was what? Flattering for me because I thought that people might be considering me to be their avatar or something and that they like my face or my body or something. But I would also like to be included or at least give or ask for my consent for this before anyone does it. But who are we kidding? These are some simply just too many posers and you know internet trolls that we don't just have time to hunt down. They're like the mythical Hydra. You take one head down and at least two memes pop up to haunt you at night. In similar situations, some clients actually mentioned, you know, not blocking people altogether because they want to keep their enemies close or keep tabs on them. But what might be bothersome later on is the fact that if you are attached to your phone, what's stopping you from opening the conversation again and 
pulling on other threads or pictures of yourself then feeling all the more worse about you know your doppelganger is doing with your face out there and some people may also find it rude sometimes that they block or mute people but i find these acts actually quite necessary because we have evolved as people who do not simply react to notifications on our phone but we are indeed more in control that than we think and when you do block people it is also a stand against people impinging on your boundaries as well but if it gives you more peace and anxiety i'd say just go ahead and block the people that you don't like but if this really happens you you know people using a fake version of you somewhere remember to keep your ego intact and say that is not me and i am not to be blamed if people believe that is me then possibly report the incident if you want or if you have time and resources to do it then just be and not let it get to you you know unless people continue to harass you in some form this might be another form of a boundary for the self knowing who you are who you are not and learning to stay intact even in the blurriest of situations and again the report button is there for a reason and know that for the catfishes using my face you have already been reported and you can find other way to you know use me but you know that's on you i know i'm not responsible for the trouble you cause and i'm so sorry for the people who you know met my picture somewhere and this is probably the last note i would use for this episode and this is probably the last note i would use for this episode a good way to establish boundaries is saying that is not my responsibility especially if it's not really your job or indeed it is not your own responsibility because again as william glasser might agree with the only thing we could actually give people is information and we do not really have full control over what pe- happens to people or what they might think or feel about us it is cold and straightforward but in the end what we do have responsibility for is ourselves and when we do take care of ourselves that's when we build on trying to help or take care of other people especially when there are those times when we simply can't or don't want to so let's just remind ourselves that setting boundaries is a necessary thing whether it's at work in school with friends online and even offline Thank you for listening to this episode of That Voice at the Back of My Head. I hope you enjoyed it and for more episodes, please follow us on Spotify, Anchor FM, or from anywhere you get your podcast from. This is Psychopeach. See you on the next episode.